Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. And just shifting ahead a little bit, um, you were um, in the Isley Brothers Santana uh, collab, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they're such a longtime favorite of mine too. The Isley Brothers, and especially Ernie with his drumming and his uh, guitar playing, and Ronald, I think, is one of the greatest R&B sing, one of the greatest singers ever. Um, what was it like yes. working with those guys? Oh my, they are incredible. They're both the sweetest people ever. Um, you know. I'll start, start out talking about Ernie. I learned so much about Ernie because I didn't know that all through the 70s, that's him on drums. I'm like, dude, you're a fantastic drummer. I said, I, I, I love the way that you play those grooves and I love the concept that you use. Um, I love your sound because like his rim shot sound is full and beautiful. I don't know what drums he was using, um, but you know, great. And then his guitar playing, Sounds like Hendrix. He's a great guitar player, you know, so he's a fantastic musician and just a sweetheart of a person. You know, I, I just really adore him. And Ronnie, oh my goodness, as you know, he's one of your favorites and one of mine too, and one of Carlos's all-time favorite singers. He's legendary and he's so sweet. His whole temperament, uh, really, you, you, you feel the way that he approaches his vocalese, you feel that in his spirit and in his personality when you meet him, because it's just so sweet, you know. Um, the way that he delivers a melody and the way that he improvises on a melody is so beautiful. Um, and his tone, his vocal tone is just astounding. You know, he, he's, he's really a great, a great singer. And, um, you know, we were looking for, for songs to do. And I said, you know, it'd be great to do something with, with uh, Ronnie that has some changes. And Carlos was like, well, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, he can deliver a melody over anything, you know? So then we played that ballad um, and he just sounds beautiful. Um, and Greg Fillingaines played, played piano on that. His playing is, oh man, sounds so wonderful. Um, just want to throw that in. But yeah, Ronnie is amazing. And, you know, I had this song. We got to the last day. This is how nice of a person he is. We had this song that I wanted to to bring. Uh, it's a song that I wrote. Um, and I was like, it's called I Remember. And I said, Carlos, you know, I'd love to hear Ronnie sing this song because his voice is so, so pure. You know, his tone is so sweet. And so he said, well, let me hear it. And I demoed that song. Uh, some some years ago in New York. And so I played the demo for him and he said, yeah, let's bring that in. So we brought that in and Ronnie was listening and he said, you know, this is a beautiful song, but I don't see myself singing it. You know, I think a woman needs to sing this song. <laughs> so he said, you know, why don't we get Roberta Flack or you know, he was naming these different people. And Carlos was like, well, no, Ronnie, if you're not gonna sing it, Cindy's gonna sing it. I'm like, Cindy's not gonna sing that. <laughs> Especially not with him standing there looking at me. No way. <laughs> Ronnie's looking. I, no, 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 no. I'm not a singer. I can't sing that song. And so then Ronnie was listening to the demo and he was like, that's you singing? He said, you can sing that song. You should sing that song. So 
as it turned out, I did sing the song and he sang like, you know, some accompaniment with me. But he's not too great to do that with me, who's not even a singer. He was so encouraging. I was like, wow, I, he's so great. I, I'm, I didn't even know what to say, you know? So that just shows you what a nice person he is. And he was so encouraging to me. It was just a, a great experience doing that, you know? Um, yeah, he's, he, he's amazing. I love him and I love his brother. And, and, and that's a great record. I think that record <laughs> didn't get as much attention as it deserves because that's a smoking record. It like, is. Great. Um, Ernie sounds great. The band is killing on it. You know, the, the, the sound, the tones are amazing. Um, you know, we recorded that at Odds On Studio with, with Big Josh, the uh, engineer, and he's a drummer. Um, so I love his ear for, for drums. And he's one of the few cats who has really recorded my brushes the way that I want them to sound. You know, I was like, wow, dude, my brushes sound beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so that's a good record. I like that record a lot. Did Ernie play any drums on that record? No, man, I'm the drummer on that record. <laughs> well, I figure if they're no, sharing dude. some guitar, maybe there's some drum sharing too. Well, and I'm just kidding, but as great of a drummer as he is, no, he just played guitar on that on that record. And I I I, I played drums on that record. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did they uh, sort out who would play you know the leads where for Carlos and Ernie? Do you know? You know that was a very natural process because they both were very respectful of each other, and they would just nod. You know, Carlos would say, "Man, you got it. Please take it." You know, and then Ernie would look at Carlos, and so it was it was a very natural flow. I don't remember them, you know like really having any kind of deep discussion about who's going to play first on this or who's going to do that. It just was a flow. And they just kind of went, you know, it was like they had been playing together for all their lives. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and, and Carlos has listened to them a lot. And I think that they have listened to him a lot. So it just kind of went like that, you know, it was very, like I said, very natural and very easy. You know, what also makes Ron so great is he's equally strong at really hard sounding grooves, rock and funk, as he is with really soft, beautiful bells. Oh, totally. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. There's yeah. not a lot of guys who can do both those things with such, you know, ease and flair. So. And grace. Yeah. yeah and just all respect. And keep, still keep their sound and still keep their feel. I totally agree. Yeah. You got that one right. Uh, uh, well, you got many right, but that's <laughs> spot on. Uh, and then uh, I guess it was a couple of years later, he did the Africa Speaks, which was a real interesting project, too, with uh, talking about those African rhythms, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that project, I don't know if it, you know, it was certainly a little um, um, eclectic, you know, if you will. And maybe, you know, not everyone embraced it because of that. But there's some really adventurous and great and really interesting material on there. Yeah, it's very eclectic. And, you know, Carlos was okay with that because in his soul, he really felt that he wanted to do that. You know, so we, you know, he, he referenced these songs that had all these African rhythms. And then he would say, you know, okay, take that and, 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 you know, do something else with the drum part or take that rhythm and play it on the drums or, or, you know, take that and do something on the bass or Carl, you know, take that rhythm and do something with it or, you know, change it, or what would you play on here, so-and-so, what would you play there? You know, he really put that together in a, in a beautiful way. And, and to me, I think that's another one of those records that will gain more understanding as years go by. People need to catch up to that, you know, because there's a lot of really, really great stuff. And I love that Carlos really wanted to give tribute to Africa, because that's where all these rhythms come from. And he knows that, you know, when people say, oh, you play Latin rhythms or you play Cuban rhythms, he says, no, I play African music. You know, he understands where it came from and he gives it up. He's not afraid to say it. And I love that about him. You know, it's really, you know, a very great um, thing for him to give tribute where it deserves and where it belongs and where it's coming from, you know, and we just, recorded some songs uh, for the for the next record um, from Idrissa Diop. Um, 
and you know that's going to be a nice one too that's coming out it's not going to be i don't think it's an all like African rhythm, rhythmic centric record, but, you know, Idrissa sent in some really beautiful songs. And so some of them, you know, Carlos kind of just played as, as they were. And then some of them we interpreted and, and did some different stuff on top of them. And it's really cool. Yeah, it sounds really great. So I'm looking forward to finishing uh, that, that, those recordings up as well. So 2024 for that probably? Probably, yeah. Maybe maybe late twenty twenty three. We're probably twenty four, yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, and what was it like working with Rick Rubin? Oh man, Rick is the most cool and the the most fly on the wall producer that you're ever going to want to work with. He just kind of sits there and absorbs and listens, and he doesn't say much. But when he says something, you know, it's like E.F. Hutton speaking. You got to listen because he doesn't say anything. So when he does say something, he means it, you know. But I really love the way that he listens to the music and he's very thoughtful. You know, he thinks about it and he gets into it, you know, and he and he really absorbs what's happening. And when he says something, it's not just blowing smoke or just something to say. You know, he says what he means and what he feels. And um, it's very relaxing because he's not a guy who's in your face like this. You know, he's not like, oh, you guys got to play this like this. He lets the music happen, you know, so everybody feels very comfortable around him. And the music sounds like that. The music becomes this comfortable cushion in this, you know, um, wonderful feeling that you're in your own living room. You know, and that's what that record sounds like to me. It sounds like we're in our own living room. And, and we recorded it as his studio, which is kind of like a living room. You know, so you feel that from all the directions, from the physical space and from his, you know, space that he's putting out, and from his energy. So it is great work with him. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, Rick is amazing. He's long one of my favorite producers. You know, his records have such a sense, uh, a feel of intimacy. And... Uh, they're uncluttered mm -hmm. and I just really like the sound and he tends to get really nice clean drum sounds too on his productions and mm -hmm. um yeah I dig he it. does he loves the drum um he loves all the instruments and he's got a great crew of, of people that work with him you know so they know what to do as well with his you know direction I'm, I'm assuming I wasn't at the mixes but you know they know what to do he hears what to do he knows what to tell them um, and, you know, that kind of intimacy, you know, I, I have to say that since that's in the core of everything that he produces, that, again, is one of the elements that I was talking about that come from his energy that he's putting out, you know, um, and that's a that's a special quality to have. And it brings about a great quality in the music. And that record, I mean, Carlos is just blistering on that record, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Um, I don't even know if I can pronounce some of these titles correctly, but I really love uh, Los Invisibles. How would you say that? I don't, I'm laughing because I don't know how to say it either. Oh. Okay, great. I thought you're going to bail me out. Because I'm, I'm in the same boat. You know, I pronounce them how I pronounce them, but I have no idea if that's the correct way to pronounce them or not. <laughs> and Paresos Quernados? Yeah. Those are some of the... I love funk, so those are... Those ones in particular are very funky. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that leads us into your record, which uh, came out, it seems like, it just came out because the pandemic sort of, you know, came and um, in, in its wake. Um, but um, what a, a tour de force that is. And just, you know, congratulations on that record. And it's so diverse. And, uh, you. <laughs> you know, and you're singing all over it, you know, Ronnie mm -hmm. must have uh, lit something in you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because you, you mentioned that because um, 
Narda Michael Walden uh, heard that song that I did, you know, that I, that I sang on Carlos's record. Carlos played it for him. And he looked at me and he said, Cindy, I want to produce your next record. I want you to sing. I'm like, dude, you can't produce me because I'm not a singer. I just did that, you know, and I love singing, but I'm like a person who sings in their shower. Or I just do it because I love it. I, you know, wasn't planning. I demoed that song really for somebody else to understand the feeling that I wanted for them to sing it, you know? Um, and he was like, no, no, trust me, I can produce you. He said, I, I produced tons of singers and I can produce you. And, and, I, and at first I said, no, you know, I said, well, thank you, but you know, it's not good. but he was so persistent. Like, well, maybe he does hear something. Okay, let's go for it. And I love Narda anyway, he's like my brother. You know, and I, I first knew of him as a drummer because he's a great drummer. Um, but then when I started learning of him as a producer and seeing all the great people that he produced, it's like, whoa, okay. Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, you know, all these other people. If he hears something in me, maybe this is time that I should, you know, just go for it and give that a shot. And so we did, you know, and, um, you know, I don't know how much singing there will be in my future, but, you know, I'm really glad that, that we did that, you know, and I'll probably do some singing, you know, but my, <laughs> my love is, is playing drums, you know, and, and, and that's what I, I want to do most, but I do love singing and, and, and delivering a melody and being able to, you know, write lyrics. I like, I found that I like writing lyrics because he was like, okay, write lyrics to this. I was like, okay. And so I, you know, would pin a lot of lyrics. Um, and then sometimes, you know, uh, we, we write stuff together. Uh, but I, but I found that I like doing it, you know, so that's another outlet that, uh, that I, I, I see that I enjoy. And I, and I wrote lyrics for other songs prior, like for, I remember, but you know, that kind of came as a heartfelt um, notion from experiences that I had had up to that point, you know, so that came really easily. Um, but like I said, I, I found that that's a, an outlet that I also enjoy. Um, and I have to say, you know, we're talking about people that, you know, uh, I worked with. Working with Narda was amazing. He's such an incredible and inspiring and inspirational person and producer, it was really, really amazing. Um, he knows so much about vocals that he was really able to, to help me. And I got a vocal coach too, you know, for, for, for that. I got uh, Kedison Kai, who's a friend of my, my sister. I actually wanted my younger sister, Tracy, to, to coach me because she's a, a wonderful singer. And I was like, can you coach me? And she's like, eh, I don't know if I should do that, you know, because I've got my hands full with this and it's not so easy to coach somebody, um, but I know a person who does coach and she could do it. And so Kedison Kai, who I know as a great singer, um, I didn't know that she was also a vocal teacher. She was at the time teaching at, at Berkeley College of Music. Um, and so she became my vocal coach, amazing vocal coach. So she helped me out a lot. And then by the time I got to the studio with Narda, you know, he gave me like little pointers here and there and, you know, what to do with transitioning from, from, you know, my regular voice to falsetto. And, you know, she helped me with that too, but he was also good with, with, you know, helping me, you know, with, with that and uh, finding my key range and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it was a wonderful <laughs> uh, learning experience. Um, and then he has such a great ear for melody and for form and for songs that it was really incredible working with him. I'm looking forward to, to doing more stuff and we will, you know, we've already been talking about doing some more stuff together and coming up with a couple of ideas, you know, already uh, to work with. So yeah, there'll be some more stuff coming with Narda. Nice. <laughs> now, did you perform any of those on stage? Have you sung these on stage? Any of these? You know, the only one that I've sung on stage so far has been Imagine. And I actually did uh, that uh, with the Santana band. Uh, we, re we performed um, Imagine. Um, I also performed um, with that band, the song that I sang on Power Peace, I Remember. Um, so I, I performed that on some Santana shows and then we did Imagine on some of the shows as well. So are you able to keep time and stay behind drums and sing? 
<laughs> yeah. You know, um, I mean, if anything's going to go by the wayside, it's not going to be my drumming. It's going to be the vocals. So if I got to drop anything or, you know, lose a pitch, it's going to be a vocal thing. I'm not going to lose it on drums. So. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure if maybe priority. I wasn't sure if maybe you were going to step out from behind the kid and go up front, you know, and have someone else sit in while you actually sing up front, you know. Well, I'd like to stay behind the drums. I mean, I'm most comfortable. Actually, on, on I remember I did step away from the kit and we didn't have another drummer come, but the band just played, you know, and, and um, we have two percussionists. So, you know, Carl kept time on cymbals and rim shot or whatever we needed, you know, um, and, and uh, Paoli was playing the congas. So we had, you know, timekeeping happening and the, the band is keeping time anyway, all of them with what they play. Um, so I did, after a while, step you know, uh, away from the drums and, and sing. My most comfortable time though, I would say even doing that song, even though I wasn't playing drums was still sitting behind the drums and singing that song. <laughs> but then Carl, Carlos said, you know, you should come up front. I'm like, up front, are you sure? Really? Oh, my, my spaceship, I need my spaceship. I need my security blanket, which is my drum kit. You know, <laughs> that's my buffer, I need my buffer. But yeah, so I, I came up and it was, I was very nervous doing that. It was difficult for me because uh, I'm not used to that. Um, but yeah, that was also a learning experience as well. <laughs> well, earlier we mentioned Prince and to me, I need a drummer has definitely got some Prince influence going on in the sound of that one. Oh, for sure. For sure. I love his singing. He's got such a great feel. His falsetto voice is amazing, you know, and that was my guide for, for that song. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you mentioned James Brown before and uh, Super Bad. You got yeah, the JB absolutely. thing going on, you know? Right. That's right. <laughs> so a lot of these things that we talked about culminate in this record in different ways. You know, the fusion of uh, We Came to Play and Velocity. Those are really hot jams. Oh, thank you. And you know what? It does culminate because that's a record full of stuff that I like. You know, it's all things that I like, you know, influences that I that I like, you know, so absolutely. Yeah. Evolution, revolution, maybe some of the Lenny influence, you know, um, it's got some of that <laughs> hard rock and crunch to it, you know, and yeah, yep, for sure. Um, it's like a double record. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, it was meant to be a double record. You know, I, there were so many things that I wanted to put on there, you know, and we recorded so much stuff. I still have some, some tracks, you know, from that, that I'm going to uh, mix and use on my next record. You know, we recorded a lot of stuff because we started in Las Vegas and we started recording with just me and Matt Garrison. So just basing drums, you know, because I wanted to just find some things and Matt's so creative we just came up with a bunch of stuff. And then we started adding things on top of that. And then I brought in um, Vernon and um, uh, Neil on, on organ. Um, and so, you know, and uh, uh, Benny on bass. So there was that group. And then Carlos and, and Matt and I played some trio stuff. And then uh, Carlos and Benny and I played some trio stuff. Um, so, you know, there are those mixes that came in um and uh yeah so it all kind of built up and that was all recorded in las vegas and then the and there was um let's see dance party was recorded in in um las vegas at the palms the then palm studio which unfortunately is defunct now um evolution revolution the the music was recorded there and i recorded the vocals in in uh Actually, at my <laughs> my rehearsal studio, I recorded the vocals there uh, for that track in, in San Francisco, the Bay Area. And then the other songs that Narda produced, um, the vocal songs that he produced, we recorded those at his studio, Tarpan uh, Studio, also in the Bay Area. And uh, maybe back to the legal interest you mentioned earlier, a song like Social Justice is like a public enemy style rap going on in that one. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, things like Twilight Mask would have been pretty much at home on a Carlos record too, I think. Yeah, that would have been, and and uh, 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 Black Pearl too, you know, 
it's amazing. I love the 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 way that he and Vernon um, played off of each other on that. And and Twilight Mask, ooh, I, I love that. That that came from <clears throat> the concept of of the song that Miles Davis recorded called The Mask. Um, so that's an adventure all in itself. It just goes on and takes you on a journey. I love I love that track. It's one of my favorite things on, on the record, actually. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, I love when any artist does this, but, and this is a great example, even on a studio release, allowing enough time to let the songs fully develop and flesh out and the concepts realize themselves, you know? Absolutely. And today, you know, songs are like two and three minutes long. So <laughs> there's not, you know, a lot of release and development that's going to happen over, you know, a time. I mean, you can, certainly develop something in three minutes, but you know, you don't have that sense of freedom that you have when you kind of just let something go, you know, as people were doing like in the 60s and the 70s. Um, and, and so I, I wanted to get back to that so that it felt more like a live concert. Um, so we just let it go, you know? And then we have other things on the record, you know, I, I brought in um, Bill Ortiz, who was playing trumpet with, with Carlos at the time. Um, and he played on Miles Ahead um, and also on, on Dance Party. And those are, are cool too, because, you know, I love the, the, the muted trumpet sound. Miles is my favorite trumpet player ever. Um, so I love his whole concept and, and, and that sound. So I wanted to have as much of that element there as, as, as we could have, yeah. Is there any way you can describe what it's like being on stage with Carlos when he is just transcending with his fingers and the frets and what he does and taking it to that place? It's heavenly, inspiring, and fun because we're just going, you know, and he is so into it and he's just going, you know. Um, it's inspiring because the music is moving and the music is growing and we're able to interject. And it's fun because of those reasons, you know? And it's kind of like, you know, Wayne says without a net, you know, or being on a tightrope, you know, where you're walking in your, you kind of got a, where's this going? Uh-oh, we're going to go this way, we're going to go that way, you know? So it's kind of like that and that's fun. You know, like being on a roller coaster ride. You know, I enjoyed that as a as a child. I don't need to get on them anymore. I understand that feeling, but I like to get that in the music. You know, and it's kind of like that. Yeah, bend not break. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what was it like uh, working with Bill Laswell? Oh, Bill's awesome. I I, I love him. Um, you know, we did a lot of gigs together uh, with. Buckethead and, and, and Bill and myself. And um, it was very free, you know. Um, some things we knew we were going to play and those were points of departure. And then we would just develop them as we went. And that was amazing. I look forward to doing more stuff with him too. He's got a great ear. I really like hearing the projects that he does um, where he's kind of reinterpreting with some Miles songs or, you know, he had a lot of Tony Williams tracks and, you know, he added Pharaoh Saunders and himself to those tracks. Um, and I love what he did with Arcana, you know. Um, so he's another person that I, I wanna do some, some stuff with, hopefully even for my next, my next record. Cause he's got a great um, uh, sight and ear and, uh, you know, for, making um, things develop, you know, and really a, a good respect for the freedom of the music while it still has uh, form and, and construct, but that you're able to just be free with inside the music. Um, and he obviously loves energy. You know, you can hear that with what he does, but I could tell that from what we played, you know, the more energy you're bringing, the more he likes it. Like Carlos, you know, they both love energy. And, and like me, I love energy. Um, so yeah, he's, he's amazing as well to work with. And he's also dealt with some health issues, but I hear he's doing okay now. So really glad to hear that. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. Because we need people like that. We need people who understand all sides of the music, but that who are creative. Because an issue that I have with a lot of the music that's coming out today is that it's not creative. You know, it's very staid and very set. And there's no, <laughs> there's no creative input in there. There's no room for any kind of, you know, uh, interjection or freedom. But for him, you know, he wants that in the music that he does, whether it's something that has a rapper on it or not, you know, and I love people that hear that, you know, that's why like, uh, rewinding back to my record, that's why I really love working with Andy Vargas, who did the raps on, on my record, because he's not afraid to rap over a very unconventional uh, rhythm section thing, like he did with me and Matt playing, and, and he rapped over, you know, like on social justice, you know, um, it, it's, or changes in your hands. You know, he's very okay with that. He likes it, you know, and, and um, uh, uh, it, it's, it's just very inspiring, you know, and Bill is the same, the same way. Oh, clack on my drumstick. You see what I got right here. Keep him very close all the time. <laughs> but yeah, Bill is like that too, you know, so I like working with people who, who love that and understand that and want that in the music. He's, he's so prolific in the studio. Just unbelievable. Yeah, very much so. Hmm. Um, uh, it, you know, uh, is there anyone else that we, we didn't cover that's um, maybe somebody that you were able to uh, work with that we would know uh, that was a thrill for you in particular that we didn't touch on? Yeah, um, a few people. I would... If, if I'm going to name one, um, I would say uh, Jackie McLean. That was very early on, you know, um, in my coming to New York. It was when I first got to New York. And Jackie was amazing. He really, I mean, besides being the great Jackie McLean and being such an amazing alto player, musician and composer, um, Stephen Miles played, you know, some of Jackie's songs. Um, so besides all of that, he was very inspiring to me because he said, um, and this stuck with me and it still is with me. And I still live by this concept today. You know, when I was playing with his band, he said, Cindy, what I want you to do in my band is play with my band as though it's your band. And I was like, okay. And I'm saying to myself, that means take ownership in anything that I'm doing. And that's what I've done. Like even when I said I worked with, with Lenny, if it was a song that he recorded, um, I took on ownership of that as though it were mine, you know? And that puts my heart and soul into every note and every space. And to me, that's what the music needs to make it come alive and to make it your own thing. And so that concept that Jackie said to me, you know, I've taken that with me in everything that I do. So no matter who I play with, whether it's somebody else's band or somebody else's song or my band or whatever, that's what I do. I own that. This is mine right now. It might be yours tomorrow or the next day, or it might be another drummer's next year. Right now, it's mine. And that's the way I, 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 I take it. You know, this is mine. And I don't mean that, you know, I don't, I used to be shy to say that because I didn't want people to take that in the wrong way. Like, oh, she's trying to take ownership of my stuff. That's not what I mean. I mean, I'm ingesting that in my whole being, in my soul. And I think that people would want that, you know, because they want the music to have life. They want it to have joy, love. They want it to have heart. They want it to have feeling. They want it to have human emotion. And the gamut of emotions is what we experience in life, whether it's sadness, joy, you know, um, the anger even, you know, a thrill, victory, defeat. Everything that we experience is what I want in the music and is what I'm assuming that everybody wants in the music. So that's what I bring. You know, so that was key for me. That was very monumental. Um, working with Ron Carter was amazing. I've done several recordings with him. And my first experience playing with him just tripped me out. I just had to stop for a second and, and listen because his pulse is so perfect that if you take a pole like this and you have a a perfect space and the perfect size pole, perfect space, and they're all the same. That's what his beat sounded like to me. So like, if you take, if this is a pole and you have a space in between, 
and it's all the same, that's what he sounded like to me. You know, it was, it's absolutely incredible. In fact, there was one, and I've actually never said this publicly. <laughs> we were recording one of my records and there was a song that we were playing and this was recorded at, at Rudy Van Gelder's studio. Rudy, I loved him too. He was so amazing. Um, loved him as a person and loved recording. And we got along very well, in fact. Um, loved his wife and the whole thing was just beautiful. But we're this recording was my record and we're recording. And so we're listening back and we're like, wow. Ron is like one beat off of the whole thing up to this point and I'm like that's interesting how'd that happen and so it was like a perfect one beat so you know what Rudy did he took the bass track and he moved it one beat and it fit in perfectly that's how perfect Rod's playing is <laughs> it was Decision. incredible we both were like wow it was we were both sitting there in the studio just because we were mixing and he was mixing and I was just, you know, kind of saying what I hear. Uh, but we were both just astonished with how incredible Ron is because it was just like one beat and he just went bloop and went bloop right to the end of the song. It was incredible. So Ron is amazing. And, you know, I've seen him do, like I wrote this song that was probably, I don't know, I'm gonna just, I don't remember. It's like 40 bars. So very atypical form, you know. It wasn't like a standard blues form or, you know, rhythm changes or 32 bars, 16 bar form. It was, you know, an odd number of bars. Ron Carter, first time down, walked that song so effortlessly and so incredibly with the note choices, with his feel, that it felt like he was playing a blues. It felt as familiar as a blues. So that man, his harmony is just mind boggling. You know, the notes that he chooses are like always the perfect note. But, you know, he always plays, as Tony Williams hit me to, he plays the function of the bass all the time. So he plays the function of the bass before he plays an extension. You're hearing the root, you're hearing everything that you need to hear. And then he plays extensions to make it sound so incredibly innovative, you know, but he always plays the function of the bass. And that you know, was a lesson to me um, in not only what I want to hear in the bass, but what to do on drums, you know? So I've, I've learned a lot and love his playing so much. He, he was always incredible. Um, I got a chance to uh, play a couple concerts, uh, Carlos and I, with Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter. And I had never been able to play with them. So I was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't play up to my potential, but it's okay because I just, the feeling of the experience was so amazing. And I just was able to really learn so much and get so inspired, like hearing Herbie play those chords firsthand. And I've heard him play, you know, of course, on record and at gigs, but to be on drums and to hear that under my note was just incredible. And then Wayne Shorter, ah. Uh, so inspiring and one time we were playing and he walked over to the drums and he went yeah <laughs> and i was like oh shoot okay all right I, I did something right because he just he didn't have to come over there and do that but he just he went over and he said yeah <laughs> i'm like okay this is a good day i love this day yeah it's amazing so that was that was really incredible um, Carlos and I played uh, several times. We, we played the um, opening for the Warriors. Um, so, you know, we, we, we played the Star Spangled Banner. And um, this one time uh, when we played, right after we, we got home, we got this call from Wayne, Wayne Shorter. And it was really inspiring because he said, I think it was the first time we did it. Um, he called us and he said, wow, that was great because you guys put everything, everything into that. All the music, all the feels, 
you know, all the soul, all the heart, everything, you put everything in there. And our eyes were like this, <laughs> we were like smile. We didn't even know what to say. I know I didn't know what to say except, thank you, Wayne. <laughs> so he's, he's been a, a, a huge inspiration for, 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 for us both. And for me for a long time, just, you know, listening to the music and, you know, um, his composition, of course, his playing, the bands he's played in, but those points where he just had something incredible to say that just inspired me further were amazing. Those, those were amazing times. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really feel blessed because playing with people like that, playing with John McLaughlin, you know, has been amazing each time, you know, um, and we were, I was playing with, Car and playing with Carlos, of course, is always incredible. Uh, I was playing at, at Montreal with, with Carlos and I was just sitting in with the band, but Carlos said, you know, John's here. We have Benny on bass and we have Dave Matthews on keyboards. Why don't you guys do a little mini set of Lifetime music? And John agreed to it. So we played some Lifetime songs. And, and afterwards, John said, wow, Cindy, we haven't played those songs since 1969 with Tony. You know, and we were both just smiling like this. It was so incredible. It was really amazing. And so then, you know, when I asked John to, to be on my record, it was great because he said yes right away. And he was on one song, which was called We Came to Play. And then he texted me and he says, I want to play on something else. I'm like, you want to play on something else? And that's how Super Bad came about because I was talking to Narda and we were, you know, I had fooled around with kind of juxtaposing these J James Brown grooves. And I sent Narda this tape and I'm like, yeah, I came up with these grooves because I want to kind of play some backwards James Brown things. And so, you know, we were listening to, to uh, one of the grooves that I came up with, um, which is kind of a variation on Superbad. I varied it again to make it Superbad. Um, but we're like, Superbad. That's what John needs to play on cuts. He is Superbad. <laughs> so he agreed to play on that. I think I'm you know, way off the question that you asked me, but I'm just on a roll here. So sorry about that. I'll stop and let you ask me something else because I'll just keep talking. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, what great uh, mentors and inspiration, those guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. Is there anyone out there that sort of, you know, on your wish or bucket list that you haven't had a chance to play with yet that you, you hope to, like one or two that are just Yeah, you know, um, I already mentioned Herbie, and I would love to do some more stuff with him. Um, and uh, that would be incredible. I've already asked him if that's possible. And, and we're, you know, we talked about that. So hopefully that will, <laughs> he actually said yes, kind of. So <laughs> hopefully that's going to happen. I want to do some more stuff with him. Um, I want to do some more stuff with um, Vernon Reed, who I've already played with, but I want to do some different things with, with, with Vernon um, and maybe add a couple of different people. And one of the people who I really like a lot, because he's just kind of soulful and funky, um, and he's and he likes to experiment from what I hear. I don't know him, but just what I've heard. And I want to do this with, with Vernon is Thundercat. Mm. I like him a lot. He's, he's a very cool, cool dude. I, re I really like his, his playing a lot. Um, I'm hoping to do some more stuff with, with Ron Carter and I already asked him and he said, yes. So I'm looking forward to, you know, um, more of that. Um, and then mixing some people maybe who haven't played together, you know, will be fun for me. Um, like, uh, Ron and John McLaughlin, you know, would be a fun thing to do together. Um, I want to do some more stuff as well with, with, with John Modeski and maybe, uh, you know, I'm kind of hearing a John Modeski and, and, and Carlos collab, you know, so I'm hoping that can happen. Um, yeah, and there are probably some more people that I'm not thinking of at, at the moment, but um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of people actually, I think that I would like to play with and I'm kind of drawing a blank because I am, but. <laughs> Yeah, but we'll see because they'll come up. And, and as I said, you know, Bill Laswell, um, I want to do some some recording work with him. And we, we haven't 
um, we've played together. Um, we haven't done uh, any recording work together, but but I definitely want to do something with him too. What's your favorite uh, Santana track to perform or play? Ooh, favorite. Um, probably Tucson Loverture. And I love that track, not only uh, for the music, I love who he wrote it for, Tucson Loverture, um, but it's also very exciting. It's very full of rhythm and, you know, the percussionist takes solos and it's, 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 it's very, um, energetic. So I, lo I love that. Probably one of my favorite things to play. Yeah. <laughs> and when you look back, Cindy, what project are you most proud of? What project am I most proud of? You mean recorded project or just gigging project or? Recorded project. Recorded project, I'm probably, um, most proud of music for the new millennium. And I'd say I'm proud of that one because I did it all by myself. I, I you know, didn't have a label, um, didn't have, I didn't have a producer or anybody to help, um, didn't have any financial backing, you know, didn't have anything. So I would say that I'm, I'm proud of that because I did it, you know, I put it out. <laughs> Whether it was successful or not, commercially is a whole other story, but I did it and I'm proud of the fact that you know I did I did put that out and and and, and do it you know um I'm proud of uh, um works on canvas is a record that I did I'm proud of that because I was able to express my love for art and for music um I'm proud of um give the drummer some uh because I extended the boundaries of what I do um, in another way with adding the vocals, you know, and they came out decently, decently well, uh, the vocals. Um, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm proud that, you know, I wrote a lot of the, most of the lyrics um, for that, you know, so I'm really proud of that. Um, and um, yeah, those are, are projects that I'm, I'm really, really proud of that I've done myself, yeah. And I asked you to share a Lenny Kravitz experience that was unforgettable on stage. Are there one or two with Carlos that you've had that just really just down your memory for whatever reason? The very first time playing with him was amazing because I got to hear his sound, you know, live and got to feel it. And um, his sound is big and beautiful and his feel. It's like, you know, playing with Hendrix or something because he comes from that era. So he feels like that sometimes, you know, he's, he's Carlos, but he feels like he's from there. So, you know, if I have a Jimi Hendrix in my life is him, you know, uh, because that's the era that he comes from and, and, and John McLaughlin too. Um, but playing with Carlos, you know, that very first time, and I feel that every time I play with him, but the very first time of experiencing it was really eye-opening because I'm like, whoa, that's really different from what I'm used to hearing, you know, and the way he plays a melody, there's, you know, as I said before, and as you know, nobody plays a melody like that on guitar, you know, so that was all really an experience that I, I won't forget. And fortunately, it's an experience that I continually have because he still plays that way to this day, you know. Um, so there were, were those um, recording in the studio with him and having Wayne Shorter record uh, with us was unforgettable. Um, we recorded this track and Wayne was um, wanting to do more saxophone solos. So he recorded like 13 saxophone solos. and he was like, he said, you know, I haven't gotten my story out yet. <laughs> he said, I haven't finished my story is what he said. You know, I haven't completed my story, something to that effect. So he was playing, playing, and he would play tenor. Then he'd play soprano, and then he'd pick up the tenor again and go to soprano. And every single one, the first one was incredible. We we're happy with that. You know, we were jumping up and down and, and tripping off of the first one, you know, and every single one was amazing. It's just, 
he wanted to say something different, you know? And so everything was so incredible that at the end, Carlos said, well, you were switching between soprano and tenor. He said, do you mind if, if we just do a, a compilation of soprano and tenor? And Wayne's eyes kind of got big and he says, no, I don't mind. We're making a movie. Yeah, this is what we do. He says, we're making a movie. And I was like, wow, I never thought of recording like that, you know? But it's okay. And it's a good thing, you know? So that kind of opened me up to the possibilities that you have when you're recording. As in, and you have a lot of possibilities, especially, you know, with technology the way it is at this point. Not that you don't need the core of, you know, just a raw recording. And I love raw. I'm the queen of raw. I love something raw. Um, but you can you can do so many things. And so that was that was a beautiful experience too. Um, I loved that. And just in general, um, when we're playing to see the way, whether it's a large stage or a smaller venue, um, either the House of Blues or you know a theater stage, to see the way that Carlos connects with the audience is just otherworldly, you know, because he really knows how to touch people, not only through his words, but through everything that he plays. He touches people, he touches their hearts. And, and so that's an amazing thing to experience and to see. So it's, again, you know, kind of changes the frequency of the way I feel you know, for me, it changes my frequency of the way I feel about connecting with the audience, you know, and really wanting to, to bring them in to our story and to what the band is doing. And that makes us sound and feel better, you know, it makes our journey better. Um, and I think it makes for uh, a more, not only intimate, but connected, um, uh, soundstage because you're connecting the band with the audience, you know, the music and it's flourishing and all the energies are really exchanging very well. So I, I love the way he does that. Hmm. What is it about Carlos that uh, might surprise people that they might not realize or know about him? <laughs> that he's goofy. <laughs> <laughs> he's very funny you know he's got a great sense of humor and so sometimes we just are goofy together and I was like you're goofy he said you're goofy this is right we can both be just silly you know we're silly at home we're silly you know we laugh a lot <laughs> so people might not really get that about him but he's he's very funny you know he keeps me laughing I laugh all the time with him yeah he'll just say something and I just look at him and just start cracking up I'm like what? what did you say <laughs> and then i'll do something goofy and he likes it you know so yeah he's very silly we're both silly we, and we, we like that <laughs> seems like he would have the kind of temperament with it like that kind of sneaks up on you you know like mm -hmm. that he might be goofing on you and it might take you a moment to realize but he's got something going on you know Sometimes, and then sometimes it's in your face, you know, because he can just be silly, you know, he just say something and it's, you know, and sometimes it's very, sometimes it's very subtle, you know, like, um, for instance, uh, my aunt, who I love and adore her so much, she just passed away a few months ago and, and God bless you, Aunt Betty, I love you. <laughs> Carlos adored her and she adored him. Um, so this is all loving. But one time we were having a, you know, a family dinner. <laughs> and my aunt was a very slow eater. And so she would take her food and she would go like this and, you know, take, she always took her time. She really enjoyed savoring every second of every moment, every day, you know, and that was one of the beautiful things about her. She savored everything. And so she's doing this thing that she does. In some shape, she would Sometimes she would get ready to eat and then she would stop and she would talk and she would say something. So that means she had to start all over again. So Carlos is watching her <laughs> and he starts playing something, I don't know, the Rite of Spring or something that starts out really slowly, you know, and it just builds. 
And my younger sister, Tracy, just looks at him and she says, you are wrong. You just, you, you're, you're so funny. But for him, that was a way of really mimicking what she was doing because, you know, he's playing this music that was very subtle and very slow and very sparse, you know. So that would kind of sneak up on you because you might think that he was making fun of her. He actually wasn't, you know, it was funny, but he wasn't really making fun of her, you know. Um, but he would do things like that that were just, you know, kind of cute and funny. Um, and, you know, another thing is that he's got a really huge Rolodex of music, you know, in his head. And um, that's one thing that we, we, we both kind of share because we both love music so much, you know, and he knows a different, he knows a lot of the same music that I know, but he knows a lot of different music. And then I know some different music, but he knows like all these different things that he's listened to, you know, and so he's got all these songs, you know, that he can just reference at the drop of a hat, you know, because he, he knows them all and he's listened to them all. So he, he knows most of the parts, he knows the songs, he knows the composers, you know, so he's really good with that. You know, he's got, he's got a lot of stuff going on that, that people might not really realize <laughs> that he's got going on. Well, even by now, I mean, the Santana catalog is so vast and deep, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. even just referencing that is pretty deep and impressive at this point. What do you have coming up uh, in the latter half of this year and how can people keep track of both you and Carlos? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, this is a, a going to be a nice summer, but it's not as heavy as last year. Last year we toured Earth, Wind & Fire and that was just really dense. It was incredible. Uh, we were on the road almost the whole year. Uh, this year we have some little respites like right now. Yeah, and then I wanna record this year at some point. You know, um, I'm not sure when that's gonna be. I, I need to really suss out the scheduling for when that's gonna happen. Um, but I wanna record with, with my band uh, this year as well. Yeah. So if they want to follow you uh, through social media best or through the website best, both? <laughs> all of the above. You know, I'm on Instagram all the time, posting there, posting on my, my Facebook. I do Instagram lives and I do Facebook lives once in a while. I do Instagram lives quite a bit. Um, so there's that. I'm also on TikTok and I also have uh, cindyblackmansantana.com, my website. So all of those four places and my YouTube channel. So there are five places that are really good uh, social media um, uh, venues to, to kind of catch up with what's going on and to follow, you know, and um, send in thoughts, questions, comments. Um, you know, I love hearing from people. Hey, thank you so much for doing this and for sharing those stories. Really appreciate it. And thank you for all the great music, Cindy. Oh, thank you too. Thanks for having me. This has been really, really wonderful. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and um, I would love to share this on my social media, you know, when you get it all edited or whatever you have to do. So please let us know, you know, when that's ready because, uh, or whether it's tagging me or whatever, I, I would love for people to be able to, to see this because I think that a lot of great uh, stuff came out of this conversation. So thank you for that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net 
I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Wolfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the world.